This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Welcome to Independent Americans. Welcome to episode 122. I'm your host, Paul Rykoff. And now, in the dog days of summer, now more than ever, is still a time to stay vigilant. The FBI continues to hunt down domestic terrorists who attacked our capital on January 6th. Eleven heavily armed extremists were arrested by Massachusetts police after a nine-hour standoff, and Donald Trump is praising Hitler again. The heat has spread all across America, but the stupid continues to spread even faster. But I hope you've been able to take a bit of a break this summer. I hope you had a great July 4th celebrating our Independence Day, or our Independence Day. And this summer, I'm continuing to spend a little bit of time with my family take a break from all the chaos, but also work on some new projects that'll be coming up in the fall. We've got some powerful new podcasts coming from Righteous Media, and we've got season two of While the Rest of Us Die coming on Vice. I want to be a producer and contributor on this groundbreaking series we're doing with Vice TV. But as you go camping, spend time with family, drink a couple beers by a pool or a creek or a beach... I want to continue to flash back to some of our best episodes of all time. And one of the best parts of this summer has been the NBA playoffs. It's been a fantastic playoffs with tons of upsets, lots of drama, and fantastic basketball. This summer in America, basketball is back, and the NBA Finals is here. And it's an exciting one with the Phoenix Suns and Chris Paul up against Giannis and the Milwaukee Bucks. It's the playoffs we deserve after the last year of mayhem and stress and loss. So I'm going to bring you back to one year ago with one of my favorite conversations of all time with Rex Chapman, the former Kentucky and Phoenix Suns basketball star. After a really hard period of his life and a deep addiction to opioids, he's rebounded and become a powerful activist. He's become a helper and he's got a podcast of his own. And he's the perfect guy to talk to as we dig deeper into basketball, summer, America, and the future. He's a super cool guy. And our conversation was one of the most downloaded in this show's history. So sit back and relax, slip in those headphones or turn up that car stereo, and enjoy a very special summer ride with the one and only Rex Chapman. I hope it makes your epic summer of 2021 just a little bit sweeter. Here it is. Enjoy. And stay vigilant. Ladies and gentlemen, angry Americans around the country and around the globe, we have a very special 
August surprise, an August treat, an August inspiration. A guy that I have admired for decades, been a fan of for decades, and have really become even more of a fan of in the last couple of years. Uh, an, an awesome dude, and I'm very, very proud and happy to welcome the great and powerful Rex Chapman joins us on Angry Americans. How are you, my friend? Man, Paul, thanks for having me. I, I don't know exactly what I'm doing here, what I've done to uh, deserve to get to be here, but I'm happy to be here. Thanks. Thank you, dude. Really. Well, you know, you've been, I think you've been a bright spot for a lot of people during this pandemic. And I want to get into that because, you know, there's a lot of emotion happening in this country and around this globe. And a lot of people have been saying, you know, Rex Chapman's helped me get through it. And, you know, wow. that, that's making a dent in, in this country and in the universe, man. And, and many of us are grateful for it. So I got to tell you that off the top. Thanks, bro. I, I appreciate it. Um, you know, hey, it's a scary time. And if you're not scared right now, I think you're probably lying to yourself. Um, I'm, I'm scared. <laughs> I turn the TV on, uh, you look around and we're living in a, a weird time. And, uh, I do appreciate it. I'm trying to get through like everybody else. And with this silly Twitter, putting out the videos and stuff like that, it, it helps me get through. And if it helps others get through all the better. So Rex, I want to ask you that to start off. I've been asking this of everybody since the pandemic started, where are you geographically and, and how are you, man? Yeah, uh, I'm in Lexington, Kentucky. Uh, I moved back here three or four, well, gosh, yeah, four years ago, I guess. From, I've been out west for 20, 25 years. Um, I'm doing well, much better now than I was, say, even a month, six weeks ago. I, You know, for me, I've had addiction and all kinds of stuff. And one of the things that really kind of keeps me sane, I feel like, is swimming. Mm. And for the last four years, I get in the pool. I swam as a kid, so it doesn't really feel like I'm working out. I can go, go knock it out. But then the pandemic comes, pools are closed, and now I'm, I'm kind of screwed with what kind of keeps me going. So I started walking more. My body was hurting more and did that for a couple of months. So, you know, you kind of get, you can get gummed up in your head, man, when you get thrown off your routine and we're all thrown off our routine right now. Yeah, man. I mean, the, the swimming is a really good point because, uh, you know, I'm, as I get older, I also yeah. find swimming is better for the old bones, right? And sure I'm, is, man. I've been trying to find, you know, creeks or anywhere, especially where I could take my little guys and get them connected to the water. But um, I, I feel you on that, man. And, and I think yeah. that that's one of the things that uh, is totally turned upside down. I mean, you're a guy who's been an athlete your whole life. Um, you know, you've been through ups and downs a lot. Of, I want to get into, but, yeah. but have you, have you adjusted your routine? I mean, you've had to travel all around the world, you know, live in hotel rooms, any, any tips on, on building on that, on keeping yourself sane and keeping yourself healthy during adversity, man. You know, I think the biggest thing for me and being an athlete, a former athlete is, you know, you, you judge a lot of what you do based on your box score and, mm -hmm. and how you performed the previous day. And as I've gotten older, I still sort of base my performance on what did I do today to help myself physically and mentally and, and all that. So I still kind of, I, I still kind of do that, but it took some, you know, there, there for a couple of months, man, uh, I was really weirded out. Um, you know, I found myself being antsy and, and, uh, just out of sorts. So you know, I think, and for someone like me, you tend to feel like you can do everything on your own. The one thing I found out with trying to fight through addiction and stuff is that's not something you can do on your own. Mm -hmm. And I know when I get down and when I get um, anxiety filled, I tend to want to isolate 
And that's the worst thing in the world for me. It's the worst thing in the world to isolate because I can wake up and not talk to anybody and be just fine, Hmm. but it's not healthy for me. So throughout the pandemic, I had to try to continue to, even though, you know, you couldn't see people try to do these zoom meetings with friends from everywhere, try to stay connected with people, you know, family, parents, that kind of stuff, but stay connected in person. And that really did sort of, you know, help me bridge the gap while I couldn't swim. Hmm. So you have been kind of creating this community around your Twitter handle, and I want to get into that. But you mentioned you're coming to us from Lexington. We we can kind of, folks who are watching, you know, if you're listening, go to the website, you'll be able to see the full video of this conversation with Rex, so you can go to YouTube. But we're inside your, your, your humble abode. And uh, this is kind of where the magic happens, where you push these videos out to get everybody on the internet talking, give people a big boost, create that community. You got Diet Cokes over one shoulder. You got your tie-dye Nike shirt on. And before we were getting ready to go, you were going to show me a picture. Oh, yeah. Can you tell me about the picture? uh, I didn't even know this picture existed until like, oh, three months ago. I don't know if you can see it there. It's... I'm playing for Team USA uh, in the 80s, the Pan American Games. But my mom sent me this. Uh, They had one of their friends pass away through all all of this. Hmm. And uh, his wife was going through his stuff, and they found that picture and uh, sent it to me. It's from the mid-80s. But, yeah, Team USA, pretty, pretty awesome. When you think back on that now, man, I mean, you know, you guys were beloved around the world. Um, and now, you know, our, our country's taking a hit, but it still seems like our athletes and our artists are often the ambassadors for our country. Right. And, and right now I think we need them more than ever, but can you reflect a little bit on that experience and on playing, you played at the highest levels in the world, but playing on team USA specifically, what was that like for you? It was amazing. I mean, uh, you know, growing up in the seventies and eighties, which when I did, you know, that was man, it's Nadia Comaneci and Bruce Jenner. It's, um, you know, all the, all the great memories that you have from being a kid. And, you know, that was one of the things you go, man, you can only do that every four years. Mm. Um, and you know, if you play a sport, you want to try to be the best at it. And then I just remember once realizing that I had it, you know, was, I was invited to even try out. I was like, what, this is amazing. I was a freshman and, um, you know, I made the team and ended up starting on the team, had one of the best times of my life. Uh, Danny Manning, David Robinson, you know, hall of fame guys. Um, so it was, it, I was incredibly proud and still am to this day. It's one of, you know, shoot, not everybody gets to play for team USA. I, I, it's a, a real badge of honor. Mm. You earned it, man, and you represented us well. I'm glad you bring up Robinson because he's a guy that I think is a really outstanding leader of integrity that people maybe nowadays kind of forget. But I, I'll, I'll never forget a David Robinson story. I was working at IAVA, and uh, we would get random phone calls from people from time to time, and somebody came running and said, David Robinson's on the phone. And I was like, D. David Robinson? They said, yeah, and, and he 
had uh, he was a judge on a, on, a, on, a, on a contest for nonprofits. And I guess he got to pick a nonprofit and he picked Iraq and Afghanistan Veterans of America. He had been at the Naval Academy, but he's a guy that always gave back and I think was was a role model uh, for so many guys that are playing now. But I think you know, he's, he's that, uh, that, that, that iconic kind of subtle, strong American representative who served his country, didn't make a big deal of it, and then continued, it seems like, to have a real lasting impact on a lot of players that were younger than him, right? The Admiral, man. And again, I was a freshman. He would have been a senior on, uh, on that uh, Team USA team. Um, so I, re- I was really looking at the, the one of the great things I think back about David was, um, you know, to a lot of us, he, he'd already been in college for a while. He'd been in the Naval Academy. It was different than what any of us had. And he almost at the time, I can remember guys making fun of him like because uh, he was nerdy. Which mm. meant he was really smart. Mm. <laughs> it okay. meant he was really smart. He would want to talk about, you know, being on a submarine and what all stuff like that. And guys didn't care. You know, guys were, you know, talking about going to a party or you know whatever. He was a, more of a grown up than any of us for than most of us were. Um, and then you know, of course, I played against David forever in the NBA. But he's one of those guys. He's we played him in college right before he and I played together, uh, on the Pan Am team. And, uh, he got a triple double in Rupp arena. Just, we barely beat them and then played against him forever. He's just one of those guys who even at a young age, man, uh, 20, 18, 19, 20, 22 years old, he was just, he was wise and mature beyond his years. Mm. A, a really good, a really good dude. Mm. Absolutely. I hope, I hope he run for office. We could use him in <laughs> Washington right now, right? I'd love it. Um, so, Rex, I want to ask you a couple questions that I ask of all my guests. You've told us where you are. I want to ask you, one, you're about to take a sip out of a, an, a yeah. very tie-dye Diet Coke. Cup. Diet Coke. What, what is your, uh, your drink or cocktail of choice, Rex Chapman? Yeah, yeah, it's a good question. My, I, I kind of know, know my limitations at this point, and my, my friends tease me because the only thing that I, I ever drink, they've termed it the Rex Chapman, and it's, it's Coors Light on the rocks. <laughs> That's delicious. It's delicious. Yeah, and hey, you, you're kind of you're hydrating at the same time. Right. Yeah. It's genius. Yes. It's relaxation <laughs> and hydration at the same time. That's right. That's See, right. I did a long time ago. I did a partnership with Coors, with Miller Coors, and I went to the Miller Coors convention every year. And some of the guys who were like Coors masters, I met like Mr. Coors and wow. all these guys. They said, "Take your Coors Light and put it in the freezer." And ever since, I'd put my Coors Lights in the freezer, just not so that they get you know they explode and turn a into slushy. A before they get slushy, just throw them in the in the ice box for like five ten minutes, and that Coors Light tastes like a really beverage. Yeah, it's wow. Awesome. Okay, noted. All right. Thank so you. now, but now is that is that technically been called the Rex Chapman? If it isn't, it is just now. amongst my friends. Yeah, wow. yeah, my friends. They laugh at it. My son laughs at it every time I say, "Can I get a glass of ice?" He's like, "Oh, come on, man." Come on. <laughs> You're the first guest we've had on this show that has his his or her own drink, you know? Yeah, yeah. I put, I put cider on ice, which used to be a weird thing, but if I'm having okay. a beer or a beer, uh, a burger and fries, and you have like a, a cider and put that on ice, yeah. 
Yeah. All right. Ice, All ice right. is, you know, a modern convenience. Ice is great. America, right? Yeah, why not? All right. So so let's stay in the way, way back machine here with you, Rex. And another question I ask of all of our guests, Rex Chapman, when you were growing up, what was your first car? My first car uh, was, you know, and this is, well, my first car was a 66 Volkswagen Beetle. I was, uh, I, I was born in 67. And um, when I turned 16, there was no chance I was getting a car. So what I did um, was I was playing a, I, trying to, play a mind game with myself, I think, because a bunch of my buddies got cars and stuff. So I was like, nah, guess what? I'm not getting, I'm not getting my license. I'm going to drive. I'm going to ride my bike for another year and build my legs up. And at the same time, I'm playing mind games with them too. And so then I get a shitty for my 17th birthday, an $800 Volkswagen Beetle 66 that smelled like gasoline all the time, all the time fumes it was awful what color was it what color red red Red, but not even like a a good red it's not like that car in the back there it was just it was oh it was terrible but i loved it had a nice little stereo in it used to have to uh scrape the insides of the windows uh in the morning (laughs) i I gotta ask you this because this i would be neglect uh, you know negligent my duties if i didn't ask this follow-up question how the hell did you fit in a volkswagen Oh, hey, man, you know, there were times we'd have, you know how it was back in the day. There were times we'd have four and five people in there just crammed in there. It's just the best of times. Just and you, how tall are you? Teenagers. How six, tall? Six, three, six, four. Okay, so you're six. I'm not that tall. But if, if David Robinson's getting in the car, when yeah, he's he not getting out in the there. front seat and he yeah. sits in the back and do that shack thing, right? Where you yeah, that's the right. Seat, <laughs> the back seat becomes your front seat, right? Exactly, exactly. Wow. All right, man. But this is this is already a lot of fun. So, <laughs> uh, so Rex, part of why you have burst onto the scene in this new way is because you, you know, you had a Twitter account that has now exploded. I think you're one of the best followers on Twitter. Maybe the best. I love you. Like, I love Michael Beschloss, I think is Thanks, awesome. Man. But I think you're one of the guys that in, in, in an environment on Twitter that can be kind of a toxic waste dump of nastiness or negativity. You're bringing positivity and, and you've blown up because you're able to find these unique videos with your unique commentary that, that get people interested and get people talking uh, and, you know, you coined this great term, blocker charge, which I don't know if you <laughs> see over my shoulder here, every show. I've oh, got, you do have it. I've got an Easter egg in every show. That's amazing. And as a tribute to you and what you've Thank built, you. I got block and charge. But can you talk a little bit about how did this start? And, 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 and how did you get to this point you are now? You got almost a million followers and, and everybody's retweeting and talking about what you're posting and you've now you know you're, you're getting into social commentary you're talking about the most important issues of the day so it's not just you know it's not jackass this is something yeah. different where you're where you're really driving a conversation but how did it all start rex i kind of failed up you know <laughs> for real um i uh i had a twitter for jim rome buddy of mine told me 10 years ago probably you should get on twitter i got on twitter it was great also i was that guy i was just snarky asshole and um then i i my painkiller addiction i got in trouble i got out i went to rehab uh for the third time and um i got out and it was off twitter for a couple years and then i got back on twitter and um really 
was I, I was doing basketball stuff and you kind of need a little social media presence to to kind of do this thing basketball analyst mm -hmm. type stuff and um i wanted off i wanted off social media because of the political toxic kind of climate and it was getting me down one day saw a video uh, of a school of dolphins kind of swimming in toward the shore as a guy was paddle boarding out and one of the dolphins jumped up hit him in the chest and i said aloud you know that's a charge <laughs> and and i just tweeted that out P people thought it was kind of funny and it just kind of took off just kind of took off from there it's funny when i hear you say spreading positivity because you know we live in this cesspool on, on twitter and you wouldn't believe the amount of people that say just the opposite that that's not what's going on that i'm you know somehow stirring the pot and I think all that I'm doing is showing, you know, kind of what's going on. Of course, I've got my views. It's my Twitter account. I'm going to do that. Right. But I do try to, you know, I, I had to, at some point, though, you can't just show blocker charge videos of people getting hurt all the time. It's just, <laughs> it's too much. So over time, I started, you know, mix again, who doesn't love dogs? I've had a dog since the day I was born um mixing in dog videos and feel good videos and just trying to if nothing else take my mind off of you know some of the serious stuff that's going on right now in in our world and uh in doing so i guess you know and look these are not my videos these are videos i find these are videos that are sent to me you know i'm not creating the content i'm just putting it out there for people to enjoy so uh, and, and if people enjoy it, great. And if they don't, they don't have to follow. <laughs> I was going to ask you that, that too, Rex, like, how does this process happen? Right. I mean, is, is your DMS like, you know, every morning you wake up to Christmas presents and some of them, yeah, you know, you don't kinda. know what's going to be under the tree every day, but yeah. how, do you, how do you get these videos? And then, you know, what's your process in putting them up? And then you've coined these, like Dogs Bros, the other one, yeah. that, that, that everybody looks forward to, but they're kind of Rexisms, right, that now correspond with different types of videos. But can you walk us through how that process happens, Rex? That's just, it's just weird, you know, um, like anything else. You don't know, you know, when you put something out, if people are going to like it or not. But knowing kind of, you know, your audience at this point, you can kind of guess a little better. Um, but yeah, I'll wake up. I've got, I've got two guys that really, you know, I lean on. One of them's I've never met them, uh, not in person. They're people I met through Twitter, mm -hmm. and uh, one lives in the uh, United Kingdom. Um, the other one is in the Netherlands, and uh, they're great. I mean, they I'll wake up in the morning, and they're a few hours ahead, so they've been up, right. and uh, I'll check in. I'll get up have some coffee. I'll check in, see what they've sent. And I'm like, man, you know, some days it's just great. And then there's two or three other people that help those guys. So they're the main kind of source. Have you seen this? And if it's, you know, and a lot of it, a lot of the times that I, I really have it. Um, and, and one big reason that I don't, I'm not on Instagram. I'm not on Facebook. And I know a lot of stuff comes out on there before it ever makes its way to Twitter. So those guys kind of are vital in, in that happening. 
Yeah, man, Twitter should be giving you a cut every month. I don't know if they do or not, but like, you know, every time they get a complaint about trying to ban Trump, they're probably getting a couple of attaboys for you out there posting stuff that, you know, uses the platform, I think, in many ways that, 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 that are at its best, right? Um, so you've also now, Rex, you're pushing into more and more of your voice, which I am excited to hear. I think many of us were like, okay, what does this guy think? And now you're talking more about the pandemic, about Black Lives Matter, about Trump. We've been covering all those issues extensively on this show. But I want to give you a chance to talk, um, you know, specifically about a couple of, like your, your career has intersected with a lot of these different issues in, in different mm-hmm. ways, right? Uh, like, let's talk specifically about, about the pandemic. Like, what, what okay. is your view now? What, what, is your, what, are you, what are you thinking about this? And the, the commentary you're putting out there, I think, is really, it's populist, man. You're speaking for many people who feel like they don't have a voice. But, but what are your thoughts on, on where we are and, and what do you want people to know about what you're doing on, on that space? Wow. Um, you know, through Twitter, um, really, I, I was able to raise about a quarter of a million dollars um, a few months ago for um, COVID relief just through this silly Twitter account. You know, uh, people were scared. You know, we were seeing lines for at the food banks and uh uh, you know no ppe and whatnot and so in a very i mean within days we raised a ton of money and we started sending money to the hot spots in new york new jersey california um over the last little while uh you know i've partnered with some nba teams to bring masks to phoenix to underprivileged kids you know, they're going through it in Phoenix right now. And some of the places that I've touched, Washington, the, the Wizards and Charlotte Hornets, and we're going to partner with the Pelicans, going to partner with some of these places to really try to help kids as they maybe go back to school. You're going to have to have a mask. So, I mean, I, my opinion is follow the science, listen to our, listen to our doctors. Um, you know, it, it's not over just because we get bored and tired and think that we're over it. It's going to be here for a while. And, you know, I, a lot of old people are, are taking it on the chin and I like a lot of old people in my life. <laughs> my parents are alive and I want them to stay alive. Yeah. So, you know, that, that's, that's really it. Uh, for lack of a better term, just don't be a dick, wear a mask. You know, I think, I think it's it, the, the simplicity of it and, and the, the authenticity of it's what's really been important too, because Look, there are a lot of people who don't watch political news who aren't going to be reading the newspaper, but maybe they're in your feed and, and that's right. where they get their information. And you've been thoughtful in putting out science and putting out data and encouraging people to, to wear a mask. So I really think that that is a, a huge contribution to the national dialogue. It's doing a social impact in a way that, that, that very few other people can do, right? Like that's what athletes can do. That's what entertainers can do. And you're, you're weaving that together, man. And you're also... I've been really outspoken about Black Lives Matter. You know, your personal journey is fascinating yeah. as well. I mean, I, I don't know how many times you were maybe the only white guy on, on a starting five or, or one of few white guys on a team. Most um, of the time. Yeah, and, and I'm yeah. curious to hear you break down that experience and, and what you think this moment is all about because I think you also similarly have an ability to, to, to change some minds, to open some minds, to get people – to get to some people that other folks might not be able to get to. Um, but, but Rex, how, how do you break yeah. down this moment and, and what are your thoughts on, on it? 
You know, I was very lucky in how I grew up. My, my dad played sports and he played sports at a high level. He played in the ABA. He played in college. He was a really good high school player. His, his adversaries in town in Owensboro, Kentucky, where I'm from, went to Owensboro High. Uh, their athletic program is predominantly black. The, in the county, it's predominantly white. And so by the time I came around, these were his friends that lived in Owensboro, it, many of them in the projects, who had kids. And so my dad, my mom would take me there. And I, that, this is where I grew up. I would go there on weekends. I would, I, I would see that there were, you know, seven people in a one part, a two bedroom apartment, no air conditioning, all that. I learned that at five years old, mm. you know, um, I also, and then I had my white friends in the suburbs. So I, I would, and I grew up playing basketball in both places. So I got a really good dose of, you know, some culture that maybe, a, a lot of people don't. And when I talk about, and when we talk about systemic racial, racism, and I've never told this to anybody before, I was thinking about this the other day. I was a good high school basketball player. I was really good high school basketball player, but there was at one point, there was myself, there was a guy named David Hogg, Marcus, another guy named Marcus Robinson, another guy named Avery Taylor, all three of us, we play, all four of us, we played on the AAU team together. We won the state. We were third in the net nationals as 15 year old. Now, none of us were any better than the other. We were all about the same size, but we were, we were good. And it was also those guys made, allowed me when I left Kentucky to go and know I wasn't. So I'm going to go play in New York. Okay. They're not better than my guys. They're not better than my guys. I already know this. <laughs> so that gave me confidence. My point here though, is that that summer, 15 years old, all four of us got invited to this. It was called the BC uh, All-Stars, which was an invitation-only camp where college coaches were going to come. Well, my dad coached. My dad also was with their pops a lot of, of the time, playing cards, going to the racetrack, mm -hmm. doing that sorts of stuff. They're the same people, but my dad was the coach at the college. You still had to pay about $150, even if you were invited to the camp. Hmm. I got to go. Hmm. They didn't get to go. There was no chance they were going to get to go. Now, I went and I was pretty good. Got noticed by the coaches. Now, all of a sudden, you know, my visibility is here, right? Also, take into consideration. I had two parents at home making me get my grades. A couple of my friends, moms worked like worked in the streets. Mm -hmm. uh, they didn't have a dad. So they, they're going to get their homework done. They're going to, and they're taking care of their little brothers. It, there's a lot of stuff there. And so I know just, I feel blessed to have experienced it, man. Um, people are people. I've never understood one of the saddest things to me is not being concerned about another person's plight because it doesn't directly impact you. That's a shitty way to go through life. I've always felt from the time I was little. So I, I wish I'd have said some of this stuff before it took before I was 52 years old. Mm -hmm. I feel bad about that. I really do. But you know, we'll make up for lost time now. 
Yeah, you're doing it, man. Your your voice is very powerful in this moment. And and especially, you know, you're in a unique position as a guy who came from Kentucky, who plays Kentucky as a white player from Kentucky, who now is known and you have all these play you're in a very powerful position to influence the dialogue. And and one of the conversations happening now is about Kentucky, right? And whether or not they change the name of of Rupp Arena. Uh, do you have any 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 thoughts on that or a position on that, man? You know, you're the first person to ask me this, uh, you know, publicly. Um, it's 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 difficult, and and a because when I came to Kentucky, I didn't know that he had a sort of a a a, a past that could have been considered in some respects racist. I didn't know any of that. I was an 18-year-old kid. He wasn't even alive. Mm. Um, I have – Pat Riley played for him. I would defer to Pat Riley. I would defer to the black players that ended up coming here and playing for him and the black players that played after him. And if if those guys, if they're uh, – if they have a strong opinion about it, I'm going to listen to those guys. You know, I'm I'm a – it's not about being woke. You can only be woke so much. I wake up white every day. I will never know what it's like. I'll never know what it's like. I can try to, I, and I do, I try to understand. I try to continue to grow and ask my, my black and brown friends all the time, what can I do? You know, what don't I know? What, you know, can I help? And, you know, to a person, they, you know, I, I and I, I do feel good about this i know that i'm saying some things at times social media wise so publicly that a lot of guys still can't say black and white working at networks i mean i know you know them i mean buddies who you know they're pretty hamstrung and um that's sad but i do take some solace in knowing that i know that i'm speaking for them Hmm. yeah and I think it's it's powerful, man. And and in many ways, you know, as a, as a fan, as a political analyst, as somebody else in the arena, oh. I feel like you're just getting started. You know, like you know, you're you're like a basketball player who's realizing he's <laughs> pretty good at golf. Right? <laughs> and swing keeps getting better. Oh man, and, and I got a, a lot of smart friends. Yeah, I got a lot. That, of smart that's what friends. we need right now. A lot of the folks we've had on this show, we had David Aldridge, who obviously has a long career in basketball, but hearing him talk about fatherhood, hearing him talk about Trump, hearing him talk about politics, at this moment in time, the stakes are so high. I think we need every voice in the arena. Wow. And we need every leader to contribute. And some of them are going to be unlikely. Some of them are going to be expected. But but your voice continues to rise in, in power and in influence. And I think that's good for America. And I think it's good for basketball. So let's let's talk about that for a second, if you can. What do you think is going to happen here, man? Like basketball starting and stopping. Baseball starting and stopping. We're finding out now college teams are shutting down football. What's your view on the landscape in sports, basketball, but beyond basketball too? But what do you think is going to happen and what do you think should happen? Remind me later to tell you an opioid story so I don't forget it. Okay. You got it. Okay. Uh, basketball. I love it. I can't believe we're back. Um, I, I've been, I've been skeptical. Uh, I've been hesitant, you know, um, about these guys going back. I still, part of me feels kind of weird about it. You know, I, we know, we know, we know that uh, the black and brown communities are affected more by what's going on with this pandemic, through the healthcare, the 
a lot of a lot of things. Um, and our leagues, you know, predominantly black. These guys are gonna, you know, get out of the bubble. They're gonna go see their families. Um, you know, th- this thing is so highly transmittable. That part of it scares me. That part of it does. I also was. I thought, all right, it's a bubble. It's not a bubble. This is a virus. You know, what are we doing? Mm. There's people in and out of there. Come on. I can't believe though. And I, I, I can, cause the NBA, I am so proud of the NBA. You know, when Rudy Gobert, you know, was diagnosed, uh, came down with COVID league, shut it down. And pretty soon thereafter, the country shut it down too. Mm-hmm. I feel like our guys have been on the forefront. Adam Silver has done a magnificent job that these guys as of today have tested now two weeks, uh, three times in a row, back to back to back, uh, testing zero cases. So, mm-hmm. And I watched the TV. I was concerned how it would look. You know, guys like LeBron, you know, these guys who've been playing forever, they thrive on the crowd, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, part, that's part and parcel of it. You know, these guys, we only did what we do because of the fans. And without the fans there, that's really, really weird. Now, I don't know how it is there. I know that I don't think anybody's going to say differently. When we're watching it on TV, it looks fantastic. It, it really does. You know, from the shoe squeaking to the, you know, the crowd noise to I, I'm, I'm optimistic about it. And the more that I watch it, the more I've missed it, man. Mm. I just have even just the background noise on hearing the announcers and the shoe yeah. squeaking, man, it's just music to my ears. Yeah. It's been, it's been impressive to watch. Um, even because, the, you know, I've always felt that the fans were too close to the players. It was dangerous, right? Like, yeah, guys me too. not having them there and having them have access, it feels like a video game. Like you're getting shots and access to the players in a way we actually feel closer to the game. I think as a viewer on television, you, you feel that way too. Yeah. And you make a great point. I, I mean, I can't tell you how many guys get hurt every year yeah. stepping on the photographer's feet and cameras and stuff like that. And they're down there doing a great job. That's not about, it's not about that. I've always said back them up though. Yeah. Cause if you're an, an athlete out there and you get hurt that way, there's enough going on. If you get hurt, just, you know, taking a bad step and stepping six inches too far, because you know, these are big guys and you need a, a little extra runway there to run off the end from time to time. I get nervous when my when my one and a half year old is like under my knees. I'm like, dude, yeah, I'm old. I got old. I know, right here. Stay away from my <laughs> knees, man. Daddy's old, you know. But I think you know you you break it down really well, man. And I'm I also think that the sports leagues are almost like states within America. It's yeah. going to be the leadership is going to be key here. Having it Adam is. Silver and you know watching him against Goodell, watching him against others. Yeah. Now, be- now we do in fairness we've yeah. got an easy they we have an easier task yeah. you know we have less players yeah. way less players. i mean that's why i think it's a good it's a good comparison because you know maine's got advantages over florida right. too right it's going to be you know leadership planning and then discipline right like a- execution execution yeah. following yeah. having having a plan yep. and following through with the plan yep yep this is what we're doing this is how it's going to go yeah. Not, you can, you know, you, you, you've had coaches, you've had leaders your whole life. And I, and I, I have too. And the one thing, when you've been in a bunch of locker rooms or, and you've had different teachers and leaders, 
you can smell bullshit uh, quite a bit, bit of ways. And, and basketball players in a locker room, you bring in a coach that does, doesn't have command over that locker room or is bullshitting the players, and the players will. You got it. So my point being, <sighs> Greg Popovich says things from time to time where you go, my God, what he must be like in a 20-second timeout or a half time when he's got a message he's trying to deliver. Think about Trump as a leader. Mm -hmm. I just, every leader I've ever had that was any good first owns his shit and says, look, I failed here. I failed. This is on me. We're going to get better. Not, this is on y'all. None of it's on me. That's mm -hmm. not leadership. That, that's not good. That's not good. I'm, no, I'm glad you anyway. broke it down that way, too, because you think about it like when you're a rookie, you know, who do you want to play for? Do you want to play for Pop or do you want to go to the Knicks? Right. And it's like, like do, I, you, do, do you want to play for someone? Yeah. Do you want to play for someone who inspires you to be better than you even think you yourself can be or someone who right now inspires you to be worse than you already are? Yeah. Yeah. And if, if, if there's a virus. And you're depending on your leader or to protect you from the virus. Do, do, do you, want to, you want that leader to be Popovich or do you want it to be whoever's coaching the Knicks this 20 minutes, right? Like, I mean, this is the only time where I would argue, and obviously I'm a Knicks fan, I'm biased. Like, it's actually probably not only better for my sanity, <laughs> but it's probably better for America that the Knicks aren't playing, right? Because I can't trust them to be the game. Okay, or or, or, oh, or no. have a good draft. Okay, I definitely can't trust them to keep the virus away. Like, just shut the Knicks down. That's put right. Them on ice. That's right. I'm shut okay them down. The Spurs and others <laughs> running things for a little while. But so, yeah, so Rex, I, I, I want to ask you. Um, I am going to come back to ask you about the opioid story, but I want to okay. ask you a question. I ask everyone else. You talked a little bit about Trump. You're talking about a lot of issues that have you uh, have you animated, but. Rex Chapman, what makes you angry? Right into it. So I'm going to tell you this story. This is the story, the opioid story. This makes me angry. Three years ago, I was, you know, kind of working my way back into society after, you know, just really, you know, I'd spent 14 years and in, in and out of rehab and life had just gotten worse and worse and worse, divorce, and I've gotten in trouble. And now I'm just trying to build things back. And I started speaking, doing some opioid speaking stuff. And the National Safety Council asked me to speak for them. Flew to Chicago, spoke at National Opioid Day. It was great. Uh, um, and about six months later, I, uh, the, this administration was in, in power at this point, uh, Trump and, and these guys. And they contacted the... Uh, National Safety Council and said, hey, we need a speaker for National Opioid Day here at the White House. Can you guys, you know, find a speaker and speak for 10 minutes? And and so they called me. And now, mind you, at this point, I felt Trump had already, he'd already started going in on NFL players while at the same time praising NASCAR fans. And I wasn't feeling any part of his his crew at this point. So when the national safety council asked me, uh, they said, would you come and do this? I said, absolutely not. And she went, really? I said, I don't think I can do that. I just, I don't want to go and 
you know, if I felt like they were serious about it anyway, she said, just think about it, take a day and think about it. So I came back, I talked to all of my liberal friends. I talked to all of my conservative, conservative friends and excuse my language, but all of them basically to a person said, fuck you, get over yourself. You go do it. You're going to do some good for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. So I, uh, all right, I'm going to try mm-hmm. to do the right thing. So I called and I said, all right, I'm in. So they said, great. So they sent me itinerary. I got it. I'll send it to you later. Um, I was going to speak for 10 minutes, you know, big, big to do at the white house. Um, you know, we were already planning to send a camera crew here locally to go and cover it and all that stuff. Well, a couple of weeks went by, I hadn't heard back another week. Finally, I was like, look, I got to, you know, schedule some other things. Are we doing this or aren't they? I got a call back saying that they had gotten a response from the white house. But what I thought we were waiting on was like, you know, they have to do background checks, all that stuff. Right. Got a call back and said that, uh, Rex, sorry, but listen, basically the, the, the message is you guys are welcome to come and, and participate in this, but not if Rex Chapman is, is going to be the one coming. And she said, so I think you've been made a little bit of a political football here. I went, wait, what? And so I said, no, no, there's no way. Come on. I said, just, all right, we'll have them put that in writing some way and send it about why they don't want me to. Uh, And she said, maybe your Twitter. Or I said, I don't care what it is. I just would like to know that, you know, there's a reason. Is it just, is our opioids partisan? So she called back and then they, you know what they said? I think they realized maybe they had a little PR thing on their hands. They said, you know, you know what? No. We'd still love for him to come, but it's not going to be a speaking thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're going to change that up. I said, I am not going for them to have a photo op to do this. Um, and they said, well, they said you could meet. <laughs> they said if you came, you could meet with Mitch McConnell. And, and I said, Mitch McConnell lives about 45 fucking minutes down the road. If I wanted to go talk to him, I would go talk to him. I don't want to talk to him. I said, I, I, I was blown away. I was blown away that, that we're not trying to help. They're not trying to help people. Mm-hmm. So I came back, I started my opioid foundation and I've been going for the last two, three years around and speaking at all the, this, and this is what gets me. It makes me want to cry. I speak to all of these, uh, rehab facilities. I mean, from, Lexington and Louisville to little places in the, in the sticks, man. Mm -hmm. These people have lost everything. They're hurting. They're in rehab. And a lot of them, most of them are around here. They're Trump supporters Mm -hmm. and they don't know that they don't care. They don't care. I'm, I'm, that makes me angry. It makes me angry that look, I've been here. I've been here and you can say maybe there are more visible recovered recovering opioid addicts out there. Maybe there are, mm. but I'm one of the top and I'm right here in their backyard yep. and not once, not once in four years have they asked me to do something. Mm. So, uh, that makes me angry. So they're not trying to help. Thank you for sharing that, man. And you've been courageous in sharing your story 
throughout you know your life in the last couple of years, especially, I think it gives people a lot of power. But also, you know, you, you you're popping the bubble on what I know working in the political sphere. You know, they're they're not inviting me to the White House either to talk to Trump because I'm a critic of him. And you're on a very different level from me. But Trump does not want anyone near him who's critical, no matter what the cause. Right? I just can't. Yeah. And what hey, I Mitch can't McConnell. what like yeah. I'm going to go to the White House yeah. and show my ass yeah. like I was no, I would also, go there. I would be respectful. I would talk about opioids and I would leave. Yeah. I mean, come on. Yeah. Well, they're what also are we talking to- about. They, they are also the masters of the photo op. So Mitch McConnell yeah. would love to have a photo with you, with you not talking. Where Zero he chance. In a campaign ad in Kentucky, right? And, and now he's got a fight against Amy McGrath, whether or not she can, you know, contend with him or not. But, you know, it's all about them. And My junior year in high school. Please. My junior year in high school, Mitch McConnell was elected to the Senate. They, my junior year in high school, 1985. He flew in a helicopter from Frankfort, Kentucky to Owensboro, Kentucky, which is an hour and a half drive. He flew in a helicopter and our, our school made us go out to the football field to welcome the new senator. Weird, but okay, I'm a kid. That's what you got to do. I walked out and uh, I saw Mitch McConnell get out of the helicopter right there on the football field, had a little handler right behind him getting off or handler, I say uh, assistant, what a briefcase, briefcase with a Confederate flag on it. And I turned around, walked past my teachers and I said, fuck this guy and went back inside and I got, I got in trouble. I had to go to the office. I got a detention over it, but Hey man, this is who this man is. Mm. I'm not, I've been, I've been knowing this, but come on. And then again, maybe maybe having him as the Senate majority leader, I mean, or having him in what maybe it gave Kentucky a little panache at some point in time. That shit's passed, man. I mean, I I don't know who he's taking care of around here. You know, he, he brought hemp to Kentucky in the last hemp to Kentucky in the last few years. And he, he hadn't brought medical marijuana. I mean, he hasn't given addicts a a shot doesn't work for everybody, but it does work for some and that you would deprive Kentuckians. You're the big man. Come on. What's going on here? Um, I, I am so happy that you are uh, speaking your mind on this because I did a whole segment a couple of last year about Kentucky. We had Amy McGrath on and I'm rooting for her. I'm an independent. I don't care who it is, but I think Mitch McConnell's bad for America. He's definitely bad for Kentucky. He's fucking killing you guys. We got, right? we got shitty roads right out here. Dude, I, I, there's potholes in my fucking neighborhood. There's potholes right out here on the, on the city streets, down to, going down to rough arena. Potholes. So I got to ask what? you, man. I got to ask you. Would you ever, I hope Amy McGrath wins, but the numbers don't look good. Would you ever run for office? Would you ever run against Mitch McConnell? I think you could beat him. Like, I don't know if Amy McGrath could, but if you ran, you could run as a Democrat. But would would you ever run, Rex? I I can't, dude, that you would even ask that. I'm a college dropout. I don't have, I don't have a degree. I didn't give a shit about school. Um, I've, what I've learned about life, I've learned in the last five or six years. I've, no, that, that's a real job. And where I'm shitting on Mitch right now, at least, hey, anybody that goes into that, that line of work 
and decides to do that, it's pretty noble. However, I think his nobility left him a long time ago, and now he's in it for the money, man. He's just lining his pockets until he can get it. I mean, that look, I, I could go on. You know, he's tr- the man's taking the most money from Big Pharma than any any American in history. Look, man, I, I appreciate There's a bill on his desk that he they will not punish Purdue Pharma. I mean, uh, uh, bipartisan. I mean, it, it would be laughable if it wasn't so terrible. I appreciate your your humility. But I also am an astute political watcher. And I would say, let's revisit this. Maybe you can come back in a year and we yeah. can talk again as you can right. get deeper into politics. My, my friend Tom Porter used to always say to me, oh, if you're not into politics, you don't think you're into politics? Politics is into you. And I think you, yeah. every man, you, you could give well, thanks. a hell of a turnaround when it comes to their brand. <laughs> and if after this show, if someone doesn't have, you know, draftrexchapman.com, you know, someone's going to get it right now. Because no, you know what Rick those. But, I, I, I've been asked. I've been asked, and that that it does. It makes me. I've got so many friends who are so smart, and that somebody would think I, it, it lets me know where we are. Though it does, they need somebody who's. Well, he's a drug addict. Yeah, is that the bar now? No, is but the Rex, bar? it I used to be. I mean, it's but this, it's with this guy in office. Yeah, but respectfully I mean, too. Respectfully too, man. Like I said earlier, leaders are coming from from unexpected, unconventional places, right? Nobody would have thought this guy would have been the president a couple of years ago. And not to say you're at all the same, but but everybody's got their problems. Everybody's got their skeletons. And someone who's been through that is, I think, what people are, are missing. Like, we need someone who understands opioid addiction from a personal standpoint in Congress. Maybe it would be a higher priority if we do. It's the same argument I make about yeah. veterans, why we need veterans right. in office. Why we have a secretary of education who's never been a teacher. Like, the, the, the authenticity is really missing right now. So I'm going to come back to you in a year. All right. All right. And we'll revisit Deal. this. I think I think there's a lot of folks who maybe have never heard about you or have never heard about you talk about politics. They're going to be excited. And and draft Rex Chapman. The T-shirt sales may may even, you know, beat out the the blocker charge ones. I I wasn't even I wasn't even a good leader on my basketball team. Well, you know what? The moment the moment is calling, man. And you've been answering the call. And, right. and, and I mentioned earlier, you've been giving a lot of people some positivity and inspiration, you know, especially folks that have been going through hard times right now. It's someone like you that can, you know, look them in the face and say, Hey, I know, I know where you've been, yeah. but you also bring that positivity. You, you, you know, you lift other people up, especially now. So I want to ask you the other question I ask all my guests, Rex Chapman, what makes you happy? Oh boy. Uh, a couple things that, you know, my, my kids, uh, first and foremost, you know, they're 27, uh, 25, 21 and 19 boy, and then three girls. And while they were growing up, I wasn't always my best man. When, uh, for my little ones, they, they haven't really, they didn't really know me without painkillers. And so what makes me happy is really, and truly I woke up for man, the better part of 14 years. I woke up every single day, every night. And the older I get now, you know, go to the bathroom four or five times a night. I can remember waking up, go to the bathroom and just really having the same thought in my head that my life's never going to be worth a shit again. 
and I'm so happy to be off of opioids. They just dominated my life uh, for so long. I'm happy to, I, 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 I honestly, I couldn't see anything on the other side of it. I was just, I had resigned myself that this is just, this is it. And if had that been it, I wouldn't be here because I would have devolved into, I'm sure, needles and and whatever else. So I'm really happy to be here, be able to, you know, do this, be able to see my kids and and because I have so many friends and family members, people uh, across this state and across the country that I know have lost people mm. to this, lost them and what they wouldn't give to just, you know, sit down and do a zoom or, you know, have a beer with, you know, somebody they've lost. So I, I'm, that makes me happy. And yeah, that's it. That's good stuff, man. That's good. Thanks. stuff. I have, I have gifts for you. Uh, but before right. I get to that, I just want to ask you because you got me fired up. I think anybody <laughs> this conversation is going to be fired up. You know, you're a guy who's been through adversity. You've been, you know, down on your luck and you've come back right? America's kind of down on its luck right now. We're rooting for that comeback, right? And a lot of folks are are going through a hard time right now. I mean, you know, if if we're in Coach Rex Chapman's locker room, what's your, what's your message to the team that, that, and the individuals on that team that maybe just lost their job, maybe have COVID, maybe struggling with with any number of things. What's your message to them in this time of, of adversity about what's possible? Man, I, again, I, I don't know what kind of leader I am, but I'm a, I'm a horse racing guy and, and I, I could read the racing form probably before I could read a newspaper. Um, this, this pandemic right now, this is not a sprint. It's not a sprint. This is a, this is a route and you better have some endurance for this uh, because it's going to be tough and it's going to get tough. You know, I, I do know there were a couple nights I slept in my car after being a lottery pick and making millions of dollars and all that, um, where I, I didn't know what tomorrow was going to bring. And the best thing that I could say is just find somebody, if you're struggling, find somebody, somebody, whoever that is, who will listen to you, who will just hear you cry, you know, who, who won't judge you for, for feeling how, however you feel talk to somebody a lot of times and through this COVID relief stuff we've been doing, that's kind of been the focus knowing that, man, there are people at their breaking points. And sometimes if you can just get a hot meal or a a friendly smile or something, it it can get you from that tough place during the night to seeing the sun come up in the morning. And then it's a whole new day. Just got to keep trying to do the next right thing. Right on, man. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for that. that that's it, bro. that's gonna that's gonna touch some people as as your work continues to do. So, Thanks, like bro. I said, I, you're just getting started, man, and I, I'm <laughs> excited to see you continue to to evolve and grow. Thanks. And I got to give you some quick gifts, right? So I would normally Let's do it. Person. So someday when the pandemic's over, we're gonna do this great reunion, and we can all get together, and you can. We can, we can bring my Camaro and uh, we can all drink some Rex Chapman's and, and, and I'll, I'll bring my 85 El Camino. Yeah. My uncle bought it my junior year. Wow. High school drove to all my games in it, gave it to me a few years ago when he passed. Awesome. What color is it? Two tone black and silver. Ooh. Does it have a name? Rex? Folks, his name was E L. So I just call it EL because it's El Camino. 
Uh, that works, man. Every car has got to have a name, right? right. All right. Yeah. And you got to have some gear. So I'm sending you some 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 Angry Americans swag here. We don't have tie-dye yet like you're wearing now. I'll send you back, back blocker charge gear. I'll rock it. I'll rock it. I love it. I love it. And then we also uh, going to send some Bravo Sierra stuff. We got some some oh, yeah. and some antibacterial wipes. They make great stuff and they support the military and veterans. Uh, I also have a, a special bottle of Uncle Nearest 1884 small batch whiskey oh, coming your way. Gosh. Now I got friends that will that that won't go in the Rex chat, but I'll, I've got friends that will. I, I figured that. you would. You can give yeah. it to somebody who wins a contest oh, on a Twitter account or something like that. That's great. It's bottled in uh, in Columbia, Tennessee, but oh, uh, you know you guys in Kentucky know a heck of a lot about whiskey too. So I'll send that your way. And then lastly the Rorschach test of this show that we've done from the beginning. Okay. All right. I ask every guest, if you had to pick a color of peeps. Yeah. Pink, blue, or yellow. Uh-huh. Let me get this right there. Which color yep. would you pick Rex and why? Pink. Pink. Absolutely pink. Mainly because my favorite flavor is cherry and anything red. I'm usually for, so that's what it is. It's, you know, it looks pink, so it looks more cherry to me. That's how my brain works. <laughs> cherry, cherry really is the best flavor. I think I, cherry is. Is I don't even I don't even know what the debate is. Yeah, especially anything frozen, right? Like if you're yeah, gonna get oh, an icy yeah. or a slushy, there's kind of cherry and then cherry and everything else. Yeah. All right, so I got a bonus question because I've only uh -huh. asked repeat guests this, and I've asked this on my radio show, but I got to ask you because I can't miss this opportunity. The great debate that we have had frequently on Angry Americans and when I've hosted on the radio. You can only choose one. Rex Chapman. Yeah. Pancakes or waffles? Pancakes. Why? Pancakes. Why? Oh, because I'm trying to watch my weight. They're a little thinner. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. That's a great, great one. And uh, Rex, you are uh, an important, iconic, inspiring American. You're bringing Thanks. tons of positivity, especially right now. I've always been a fan of yours. You have millions of fans around the country, around the world, and you're going to have many more after this conversation and every day you're out there. So thank you for your courage. Thank you for your, your candor. Uh, one of my mentors always talks about powerful vulnerability. I think you've shown some tremendous, powerful vulnerability over the last couple of years, especially, and you're a real leader for this time. And I'm honored to have had you on the show and have this conversation. Thank you so much, my friend, for joining us. Thank you, man. I, I really do appreciate it. And next time I want to learn more. I, I honestly do. I Even growing up in, here in Kentucky, I have friends who have family members, lifelong military people. I need to learn more about it. I need to learn more about what you do and what you've done. Uh, there are I have there's a guy here in town. He's a former football player over at UK, Fred Maggard. He was in the in in the uh, armed services, and I, I just I what I do know and what I find fascinating is that uh, you know he he's a college football player, really good. But I also know that his teammates in the service, they're it's the same. It's the same thing, and there's a love and kinship that goes on there. So I, I want to learn more about about what you guys do and have done. So next time, let's got do it, man. We, we will make all it right. happen. And maybe in addition to block and charge, we have to add something about picks because we're all kind of setting picks for each other right now. That's right. right. That's, and that's right. A, key to a good team. I, I was a shitty basketball player, but Anybody I was really set a pick, but I was really that's good at right. setting picks, dude. I was really good at setting picks. Every player's got only some people can score. 
But every player's got to defend, set picks, take charges, and dive on the floor for loose balls. And if you don't, you're a bad teammate. There you go. Well, Rex Chapman, you are a great teammate. You are a great American. Thank you, my friend, for joining us. And stay frosty.